This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Nine Lives with Dr. Cat is brought to you by Heroes for Healthy Pets. We're passionate about your pet's health. And by Fear Free Pets and iHeartCats.com. Cat lovers, welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Catherine Prim, and I am a small animal veterinarian who is owned by a cat named Scamper. Today is a very exciting day for us because I think that the topic we're going to talk about is a little bit of a hot button for everyone. I have with me today Dr. Joe Barges, who is a board-certified internist as well as a veterinary nutritionist, which pretty much means If there's anyone who has the scoop on animal nutrition, it's him. So we'll be right back with Dr. Barnes after a word from our sponsors. Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's Veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat, and I have with me Dr. Joe Barges. Welcome, Dr. Barges. Thank you. I am happy to be here. So I want to start by sort of discussing why animals, cats specifically, do not have the same nutritional needs that people do. So cats are cats, and they have their own set of unique requirements compared to humans and dogs. Dogs and humans, uh, we are what are called omnivores, so we can eat vegetarian diets and do well, or combinations of meat and vegetables, and and actually do quite well. Cats are actually uh, truly carnivores, and so they really need to have a meat and a high-protein diet relative to what dogs and people require. That's only part of it. It's not only the protein. They have some other differences related to that carnivore nature. They can't use, for example, fat from like in vegetable oil, the the fatty acids in vegetable oil. They need specifically the fatty acids that come from meat-based, animal-based fat. They have to have vitamin A in their diet. They can't convert beta carotene like what's in carrots and you know orange yellow vegetables to vitamin A. And there's a list of things that makes their requirements different and also means that you have to be careful when you feed human foods and cats don't do well if they just eat dog food. So it's because they're cats and cats are quirky. I interviewed Dr. Gary Landsberg about behavior and he said, well, cat, because they're cats, they do this because they're cats. <laughs> but I think that you would probably agree they're a little quirky because they're cats. Yeah, I think 
Yeah, again, cats are just cats. Um, you know, we tend to want to group everything together and cats are not small dogs and cats are not, you know, small people. And so it takes a little bit of understanding what their differences are to know, you know, as Dr. As he mentioned, that what their behavior, I'm not sure it's quirkiness, it's just differences. You know, that's just why they're different. And so you have to understand those differences to know how to interact with them, how to train them, how to feed them, what they require to keep them uh, healthy, um, because they're different than dogs or horses or people or other species. But that's true about all species. I don't know that necessarily cats are quirky, but they do have their differences. And one of them is they sort of want to be in charge. You mentioned, you know, you're owned by your cat, and that's true. You know, Egyptians worship cats as gods, and cats have not forgotten that fact. So (laughs) that's part of it as well. So I think cats are are fun, and I think that the catitude that cats have is part of what I specifically love about them and why I think this show is so fun. But you mentioned some of these things that we have learned about cats and what they need nutritionally. And I posted some questions or some food for thought on the iHeartCats Facebook page where there are lots and lots of people. And they came back with some questions they kind of wanted me to make sure we covered today. So here we go. I'm going to put you through the ringer, I think. That's they fine. Wanted, they want to know if dry kibble can have nutritional value or be good enough for their cat. The answer to that question is yes and no. As a general answer, the answer to that question is yes. Food that is sold across state lines, by law, has to be complete and balanced for one or more or all of the life stages of a cat or a dog or whatever species, you know, type of animal the food is designed for. So if it has an AFCO nutritional adequacy statement on the bag or can, which all foods also must by law have on them, then that statement will say something like testing or feeding trials or AFCO protocol, something like that, guarantees that this food is complete and balanced and meets the nutrient profiles for adult cats or cats at all life stages or for growth or whatever. So therefore, the answer is yes, those foods are nutritious. The thing to know about that adequacy statement, though, is that those foods and what the requirements are for are for adequate maintenance or growth or pregnancy or lactation of an average cat. And so they can do adequate on it, but the question becomes, do you want to feed your cat as an average cat? Okay, well, that's very important because there aren't really that many average cats, I guess. (laughs) No, that's true. So do you have an opinion on dry kibble versus canned food for cats? So my opinion on it is they can do well on both. Again, if they're complete and balanced, there is a a push. There's a belief that domesticated cats should be fed as if they were in the wild. And the types of food that they eat in the wild are, of course, small animals, uh, rabbits and moles and birds and things like that. And those tend to be high protein, low carbohydrate, and a lot of water. But that doesn't mean cats, again, can't do okay on dry foods because they can. And to think that they can't kind of uh, belittles the cat's ability to adapt. But my opinion is that it's probably a combination of diets that helps animals, helps our pet children, you know, our furry friends or, or whatever you want to call them. So we feed our cats 
a mix and different types and different varieties of canned foods with dry treats and homemade foods and things like that. I think the issue, especially with cats, is they get locked into one type of food and one type of texture of food, whether it's canned or dry or whatever. And if you need to change them, it's hard to do that. And so I am a big believer in starting them out young and giving them varieties to prevent them from getting locked into a certain food. I think that's great advice. I think the belief is that during a kitten's socialization period, they can learn that something is food and then they decide it's the only thing that's food and it can present problems down the road, which I think is what you are alluding to. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, they tend to pick up what the mother's eating. So if you know you have a pregnant cat and you feed her only one type of food, then that the kittens tend to pick that up. But if you give varieties of food, then they're not locked into it. And again, we have a couple of cats and we feed them canned foods that are different types of canned food. And we feed them dry food, um, kibbles, and that we use sort of as treats and they have to hunt for them. And then we also make some homemade mix of things, chicken and actually, believe it or not, cats like kale. So we make a chicken and kale kind of a little treat that we mix in. And we actually give our cats raw egg with heavy cream and then other types of treats, dried fish, dried just different types to keep them interested, to keep them not getting locked into a certain type of food, and to keep their hunting skills up. That's excellent. It kind of segues me into another question that I had, which was, can I home cook a diet for my cat? The answer is yes, but you have to be very careful. And you should work with a board-certified veterinary nutritionist to make sure that the diet is complete and balanced. And the, again, the issue is a lot of people think homemade diets, you just you know eat like you normally eat. But even when you eat well, a nutritionist and doctors still recommend that you take vitamins and minerals. And that's the mis- a big mistake that a lot of people make is you know they mix chicken with something else and then that's their homemade diet, but it's not complete and balanced. And again, cats requirements are different than dogs and people. So you can't use those guidelines to feed cats either. And so it really takes somebody who knows what those differences, those quirky nutritional differences are to make sure that it doesn't cause problems by feeding a homemade diet. But again, if you start out mixing homemade foods in and transition them, if you're trying to, from a commercial over-the-counter food to a homemade diet, it can be done. Cats are just more resistant to new foods. And so you've got to be patient starting out when their young helps or mixing it in with their other foods, commercially available, complete and balanced foods helps. Okay. Well, cat lovers, I want to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors and come back with Dr. Barges to learn more about what he thinks is an ideal diet and answer your questions right back after these messages. You know that feeling when you go to clean the litter box and it's a complete disaster? Yeah, we've got you covered. Introducing World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the advanced litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. Zero Mess combines the concentrated power of corn with superabsorbent plant fibers. Translation, scoop once and you're done. Find it at a pet store near you and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Life with Dr. Cat. 
and we're still talking about feline nutrition. Dr. Bardis, I kind of want to pick up where we left off. You were talking about home cooking diets, and I do have a little bit more questions. You have alluded to the healthy adding things and the variety, but someone asked, are there healthy treats that I can give my cat? Yeah, that's a good question. Again, cats are carnivores, so they're meat eaters. That's what that means. And so giving them treats that are animal-based is good. Now, I should preface a lot of this by saying that it depends on how healthy they are. So I am really talking about healthy cats, not cats that have diseases that require nutritional modification like you know kidney problems or stone disease or heart problems or something like that. But cats being carnivores like meat and like high protein foods. So giving them those kind of treats are good. Again, our cats, we give them treats that are boiled chicken mixed with kale sort of in a sort of a wet almost like a sausage consistency as treats and as part of their meals. We give them dry cat food as treats. Um, We give them dehydrated fish and chicken and some of those as treats. But again, I think variety is an important component to this. And not only variety in canned versus dry or one brand of food versus another, but also in different textures of the food so that they and treats so that they don't become, as I've mentioned before, locked into a certain type of or texture of food. You mentioned that you hide the dry kibble for your cats and, and give them opportunities to hunt. And I had someone ask me how often they should be feeding their cat. And I think that is a perfect answer. So expound on that for us. Yeah, so cats are nibblers for the most part, um, most, at least small domestic cats our house pets, our children, we tend to try and force them into eating meals, which is good. In fact, our cats, you know, we feed them in the morning and feed them in the evening, but then we do other things whether we're there or not during the day. So we have time feeders that we put our kibbles in or something like that, that will randomly, we set the time for different times during the day so that when they hear it pop, then they have to, wherever they're hiding, they have to run and or sleeping, come and get it. We have more stuff for our cats than I have for me. Um, <laughs> So we've got, you know, some of the feeders that make them have to work to get the food, little mazes with pegs that you put the treats in the middle and they have to figure out how to work it out. There's a little wood box with holes in it that they have to, again, figure out how to take the little treat out from inside the box, almost like the Kongs that have little holes in them that they have to roll it around and and play with it. So we have a lot of those things so that they can, especially on timers, so that during the day different things pop and they, they have to work at it and they have to exercise to get that food. I love that. I love enrichment toys. I'm so glad that you love them too. So there's one more thing. Well, actually a couple more things, but one of the things I really wanted to get to that has been a source of discussion on a lot of my Facebook pages is what about raw diets? Yeah, that's a good question. What about raw diets? So most organizations the American Veterinary Medical Association, the Delta Society, American Animal Hospital Association, and even the Centers for Disease Control discourage feeding raw protein, raw animal-based protein to dogs and cats. And they recommend if they're service pets, you know, if you take a cat in for, say, um, home visitation or to the hospital, they should not be eating raw foods, mainly because of the risk of infectious diseases in those raw foods. Having said that, I am not a disbeliever in raw food diets, and it can be done and I think can be done well. We, again, feed our cats. Every morning, they get a raw egg with uh, mixed with heavy cream. And, you know, when we're cooking, we'll give them pieces of raw meat and stuff like that. 
So it can be done. You just have to be very careful. Um, if you want to feed raw food diets, there are commercially available raw food diets that are complete and balanced for adult cats or growth um, kittens or whatever. And as of last year, pet foods, dog and cat foods, have to have zero infectious diseases, or especially salmonella in them. And so that was always a concern. So these commercial foods, now these commercial pet food manufacturers of raw food diets have to do things to prevent salmonella and other infectious agents being present in the food. And that's actually more strict than the food we eat, where you know 40 to 80% of chicken you buy at the grocery store has salmonella. Dog and cat food has to be zero. There is a zero tolerance for it. So if you want to feed raw, but you don't want to mess with it at home because you can't control that, then that um, gives you some good alternatives. Well, that is excellent. I'm glad you brought that up because I know that the CDC does have some guidelines around salmonella and listeriosis and those kind of things. So I'm glad we've made some strides in the right direction for that. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, there are people who want to do it. I will say, you know, are there benefits of raw food over non-raw food? Nobody has proven any. Does that mean that it's worse than heat processed commercial foods? Absolutely not if it's done correctly. And it's just a different way of doing things. And again, our, we have two kittens that are almost a year of age now that were feral. One of the neighbor, we kept catching the feral cats and getting them fixed and then re-releasing them. But one of them was a pregnant female and we kept the kittens and we feed them a mix of raw food with commercial can and commercial dry and treats and again, a variety. So there's a certain special thing about cats and, and nutrition and disease that I want to touch on because I think my cat lovers are interested in it. Can you talk to us a little bit about feline urinary health? Yes. So feline urinary health, usually when people say that, they mean bladder issues. There are lots of problems that cats could develop as dogs and people do of the urinary tract, not only stone disease, but you know infections and kidney failure and things like that. So when we think about urinary health and when diets carry something to the effect of for your cat's urinary health on the label, what they're really referring to is prevention of struvite crystals and lower urinary tract disease, bladder issues in cats not urinary tract health in terms of kidneys or anything else. Most specifically, struvite, which is a type of mineral that can cause stones to form, especially in young adult cats or in male cats, they can sometimes form these um, plugs that obstruct their urine flow from their bladder. And many times, if there's crystals in this plug, which is sort of like toothpaste material, that they have crystals in them, they're often struvite. So that's what a lot of the foods are that carry that claim. Um, is what they're specifically talking about. So diet is a part of management of this problem. Yes, diet is. Struvite tends to form when their urine is very concentrated, and cats can concentrate their urine very, very well. It tends to form when their urine pH is high, and if the diet induces a very concentrated urine with a lot of the specific minerals that struvite is made of, and struvite is made of magnesium and ammonium and phosphorus, so there's a lot of magnesium and phosphorus in the urine at a high pH, and it's you know really concentrated, that is a high risk for them to form these crystals. And so diets that are designed to help prevent that, lower the pH or lower in the minerals, kind of help dilute them out a little bit more so that these minerals don't cause problems. Excellent. Well, we're not extremely overwhelmed with much time left. There's one more quick thing I wanted to get your opinion on because I'm actually learning a lot from you today. But what do you think about probiotics? I'm a big believer in probiotics. That's like another whole 
<laughs> episode of the show. show isn't it? I mean, the nice thing about probiotics and and what we're learning, we know a lot more in humans than in dogs and cats. But what we are learning is that with probiotics, what you're trying to do is change the bacteria in your gut, in your GI tract, and that actually is one of the largest immune organs in your body um, because it's in communication with the external environment. So when you change the bacteria that are in the inside of your intestines, you not only change their potential risk for you know infectious diseases like intestinal problems, but you actually change whole body metabolism and immune function. There are studies in humans, you know, children with asthma that probiotics help. It's not an infectious disease. It's not an intestinal disease. Evidence of obesity and osteoarthritis association with bacteria in the gut and probiotics can help with that. So I think there's a lot to be said for trying to make the bacteria in the gut more healthy and it provides better overall health. Well, I love that too. I didn't know that you love probiotics, so that even makes me happier. But it's so cool because there were studies that suggested it helps with allergic disease, which Mm -hmm. our companion pets have. And I even read a study that in children, it can help with attention deficit. So I think that is so exciting, and I'm glad that you think so too. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, some things with Alzheimer's, I mean, non-infectious, non gastrointestinal disease that the bacteria in your in your intestines can modify in some way, shape, or form. So I'm a total science nerd, and all the people that know about this show uh, are aware of that, but it's really cool to get the idea or the support for my belief from your mouth. So that's very exciting. Yeah, I take them myself. Well, me too. <laughs> so, and certainly provide them for my fur friends as well. Yes, absolutely. Well, um, I think we're just about out of time for today. And I want to thank you so much for joining us here on Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. Thank you, and, and thank you for inviting me. And also, I want to thank our amazing producer, Mark Winter. And I want to tell everybody to go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.